Good job. Wow. Isn't that awesome? What a talent. God has greatly blessed him. Thank you, Bobby. God has greatly blessed Bradley Walker. I know his family is right here in East Limestone community, and God has used his voice. What a voice. He has CDs out. I know you'll want to grab one of those. He has several of those out. He, uh, first time I heard him sing, he sang Elvira. Wow. Man, he can sing Elvira, I'm telling you. He really can. He, he sung with the Oak Ridge Boys, that song, and he's been in Nashville many times, as Dwayne said, and so... He's just a great talent, but more than that, he's a great young man. He really is, and so uh, I just appreciate him and his courage and how God's using him, and, and I just want you to know that we're just a, 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 a excited to have him in our senior adult luncheon as, as we get through. Now, the only thing between the senior adult luncheon and you eating is me. <laughs> all right, I, I do know that, all right, I'm aware of that. And so, uh, but I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 as we continue our series in the book of Revelation. Now, as you're turning there, this is, we honor this day as Senior Adult Day. So this is Senior Adult Day. And I just want to acknowledge and recognize our senior adults because I love you guys. All right? And uh, I am probably one of you. All right? And so I want you to stand. If you consider yourself a senior adult, I want you to stand. We just want to honor you today, right? We really do. God has blessed Lindsey Lane with senior adults. All right, Jamie, amen. Me and Jamie's really not that old. We just got old hair, all right? And so, uh, but anyway, thank you guys. You know, we are really blessed here at Lindsey Lane. I was doing, I was running some numbers the other day of our church, what percentage of age group is in our church, and we are a multi-generational church. It's really an awesome thing. We got so many children, and then we got a lot of senior adults as well. We got a lot of us, those of us in between, or you in between, whatever. And so God has greatly blessed this great church. But I want to tell you something. One of the greatest servants we have in this church is our senior adults. They really are. They serve the Lord. They love serving this church, and I thank God for them. If I ever need anything, I know who to call on. <laughs> I'll tell you, they'll get it done, amen? They'll get her done, and they really will. And so uh, I'm excited. My mom's here today. My mom's a senior adult. She'll be 91 in June, and uh, I love my mom. You can't miss her today. She's in yellow today. Mother, glad you're here today. She watches me every week on, uh, on ZTV on our broadcast, but she's able to come. My sister's here today, bringing her gingers here today, and so we're glad to have you. And I'm glad to have you today and all of you senior adults. Now, you know that I have ADD, or AADD, whatever that is, I got it, all right? But I've discovered something now that I am a senior adult. I've discovered something. I have AAADD, which is age-activated Attention this deficit disorder. I have it. Now, I want to prove it to you because this is kind of what happened to me the other day. I decided to water my garden. As I turned on the hose in the driveway, I looked over at my car and decided that it needed washing. As I started toward the garage, I noticed the mail on the porch table that I brought up from the mailbox earlier that day. As I decided to go to the mail before I washed the car, I laid my car keys on the table put the junk mail in the garbage can under the table and noticed that the can was now full. 
So I decided to put the bills back on the table and take out the garbage first. But then I think, since I'm going to the, to the, near the mailbox, when I take out the garbage anyway, I may as well pay the bills first. I take my checkbook off the table and see that there is only one check left. My extra checks are in my desk in my study, so I go inside the house to my desk where I find a can of Pepsi that I've been drinking. I'm going to look for my checks, but first I need to put the Pepsi aside so I won't accidentally knock it over. The Pepsi's getting warm, and I decide to put it in the refrigerator to keep it cold. As I head toward the kitchen with my Pepsi, a vase of flowers on the counter catches my eyes that need watering. I put the Pepsi on the counter, discover my reading glasses that I've been searching for all morning long. I decided I better put them back on my desk, but first I'm going to water those flowers. I set the glasses back down on the counter, fill a container with water, and suddenly spot the TV remote. Someone left it on the kitchen table. I realized that tonight when I go to watch TV, I'll be looking for the remote. So I won't remember that it's on the kitchen table, so I decide to put it back in the den where it belongs. But first, I've got to water these flowers. I put some water in the flowers, but quite a bit of it spills on the floor. So I set the remote back on the table, get some tiles, and wipe up the spill. Then I head down the hall trying to remember what I was planning to do. At the end of the day, the car isn't washed, the bills aren't paid, there's a warm can of Pepsi sitting on the counter, the flowers don't have enough water, there is still only one check in my checkbook, I can't find the remote, I can't find my glasses, and I don't remember what I did with the car keys. <laughs> then I try to figure out why nothing got done today. I'm really baffled because I knew that I've been busy all day long, and I am really tired. <laughs> Amen. That's just the way it goes. There were two elderly, senior eight, senior adult gentlemen at a retirement center. They were sitting on a bench under a tree when one of them turned to the other one and said, Hey, Slim, I'm 83 years old now, and I'm just full of aches and pains. I have pain all the time, and... I know you're about my age. How, how do you feel, Slim? Slim looked at him and said, You know what? I feel just like a newborn baby. He said, What? You really feel like a baby? He said, I sure do. I have no hair, no teeth, and I think I just wet my pants. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love being a senior adult. I love it. It's awesome. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> All right. But I am so proud of our senior adults. I'm looking forward to our luncheon. Bradley will be over there. Bradley Walker will be over there with us. And, and we're just glad to have him. Bradley, thank you so much. You and your family. I love your family. And I love you, brother. I want to speak today. You know, we've been talking in Revelations. And I'm really excited about this study. A lot of you have been telling me how excited you are about it as well. And I'm looking at the challenge of going through it together over the next several years or whenever. All right? And so today we're going to look at two more churches. Now, last Sunday we started. We finished chapter 1 and got into chapter 2. We looked at the church of Ephesus. And you remember, as God is examining and God is evaluating these seven churches in Revelations. 
And so last week we looked at the church of Ephesus and found out that one thing that God had against them, he said, was that they had left their first love. And so as we examine these churches, I want you to think about your church. And by the way, you know who your church is? It's you. (laughs) Amen? You are the church. I am the church. We are the church. So as we examine the church, let's look at ourselves. Let's look at Lindsay Lane. And let's examine our church and see how maybe what God would say about Lindsay Lane. What would be his uh, commendations to us and then what maybe would be the condemnation that he might have against Lindsay Lane. And so as we look at these two churches today, we're going to look at two of them today, Smyrna and Pergamos. We're going to look at these next two churches in Revelation chapter 2. And so uh, as we continue this study, now today as we look at Smyrna first, the crown church, the crown church. So let's look in verse number 8, chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things, says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. That would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember, the angel of the church, he's writing to the messenger of the church. And a lot of theologians believe, a lot of scholars believe that this is the pastor of the church that God gives to the church. The messenger or the angel there at Smyrna. Now, Smyrna is the modern day Ismar. And so, Smyrna also is a birthplace of Homer, the poet. He was born there. Smyrna was just north of Ephesus, all right? It's a beautiful, luxurious harbor city and a commercial seaport. It's a city where a lot of activity is going on. A lot of people are coming through Smyrna, just like Ephesus. It was a distinguished city because of the school of philosophy. It had a lot of intellectuals there. It was a modern city. We would say something like uh, New York or California or whatever. It was one of those kind of metropolitan-type cities. It was famous for a golden street that ran through the city where many pagan temples and idols were. Now, listen to this. Smyrna was the center of Caesar worship of Asia. Now, Caesar being the emperor of Rome, and so they had a lot of idols and a lot of temples there. And as you picture Smyrna, it was a picture of of worship of Caesar. The emperor had a lot of idols and a lot of uh, temples there that did that. Now, it was also known as the persecuted church. And we'll talk about this some today. Smyrna was known as the persecuted church. The, 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 The name Smyrna means bitter, where we get the word mirth from. And so it was a persecuted church because it was persecuted. Can you imagine having a church in that type of setting, a church in that type of city where everybody was mostly worshiping Caesar, had all these idols and all these temples, and then there was the church right there. And so they persecuted the church because they refused to bow down to Caesar. They refused to to bow down and worship Caesar, so they became persecuted. They refused to recite Caesar Kuros, which means Caesar is Lord. And so because of that, they were persecuted by Rome. And so as we look in John's writing, the book of Revelation, John was writing during a period of a monarchy or emperor worshiping. They worshiped Caesar. And all through this time, as we see some of the New Testament writings, they worshiped these emperors. It was during the surge of the Roman Empire. Now, when we get over into Revelations, it's very significant that you understand we're going to be talking about this Roman Empire, 
the rule of the Roman Empire. And so we see a picture of it here in Smyrna and also in Ephesus and Pergamos as well, how they worship Caesar. And so they persecuted the Christians. And I'm not talking about just persecuting. I'm talking about torture, despicable acts uh, of, of criminal, uh, horrific acts that they performed. Caesar and Herod and Nero, Dominican, and all of these emperors and all of these rulers, they made sport of persecuting Christians. And so as we look at this and we get into this, I want you to understand that even the pastor there, Polycarp, was the pastor there, the historians say, even he was persecuted, the pastor. Matter of fact, historians tell us that Polycarp was martyred this way. He was burned at the stake in the arena for sport. They took him and put him in the, uh, in the uh, amphitheater arena. We've seen mi- movies about these type of things. And they burned him at the stake in front of all the people for sport. And so this is what we're talking about. And they did this to many, many Christians. And so uh, we think today as we live here in U- the great USA, we're, not, we're foreign to a lot of persecution here. We don't understand this type of persecution. All we, you know, we may get made fun of down at work because you're a holy roller. Maybe, maybe you've been called a Bible thumper. Or maybe you've been called one of these Jesus freaks or holier than thou. Thing. You know, that's our persecution. If you read the book of Hebrews, and you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 through 37, listen to some of the things that were happening to these Christians because of their faith. They were tortured. They were mocked. They were sawn in two. They were stoned. They were placed in sheepskins and mauled by lions. And they were burned alive at the stake. And they were made by Nero himself as human torches to light up Rome. As they put them on a torch, they would put oil on them and burn them alive for human torches. These are some of the things that they were going through as John writes the book of Revelation. He's writing during this period of emperor rule and persecution of the church. And so we see things today. You know, even though that we're not persecuted in America, we see around the world where there's a lot of persecution. We've been watching ISIS and how they persecute Christians and and people in in Nigeria and places like that and uh, Indonesia where Christians are being beheaded and they're being persecuted and tortured because of their faith and so many despicable atrocities that I won't even try to mention today that's going on even in our world today. And so when we say God bless America, God has blessed America. He's greatly blessed America. The thing that ought to happen is America ought to be blessing God. Amen? Because we live in a country, in a nation that God has greatly protected us in a lot of ways. And so it just really bothers me personally to how we've neglected God and honored God and greatly reverenced God in our nation as we say we're one nation under God. And so, uh, you know, we have a member of our church, Pastor Johan, his wife Joyce, and their family are in our church. And he's a pastor in India, and he goes back and forth to India. And even there... Pastor Johan, member of our church, he's had to flee for his life. And in India, they've been persecuted. These churches, they have to be underground. And, you know, a lot of times I'll ask you to pray for missionaries. And on our, pre- our missionary list, there's, there's missionaries that we support, even from our church, that's serving in countries where we can't even mention them. 
We can't even mention them because of the internet. We can't even mention where they are because they're under persecution. And so we don't really understand all of this about being persecuted individually and collectively as the body of Christ. But it happened right here in Smyrna. Corey Ten Boone. Some of you have read her writings. You remember Corey Ten Boone? She was. Uh, she came out of the uh, the persecution of the Jews at the Holocaust. And so, you know, you think about that persecution, how the Jews went through the, the Holocaust. Millions were, were gassed and tortured and persecuted. And she said, uh, I read where she asked her dad, she said, Dad, I'm afraid that I will never be strong enough to die as a martyr. And her wise father answered her with these words. He said, Corey, when the time comes to die, you will find the strength you need just in time. You know, I don't know what people go through under such persecution. I was reminded and remember those, I believe it was 21 of those men in those yellow suits, those Egyptian Christians, how ISIS paraded them on that seashore and how they beheaded each one of them. And they asked them, will you honor Allah? Will you bow and worship Allah? And each one said, no, I'm a Christian. And each one was beheaded right there. And so I believe God supernaturally intervenes in, our, in the, those people's lives at that moment. I don't understand all of that. But I tell you this, we, we have people who are dying for their faith every single moment of, the, of the, every day. And so at least we could do is live our faith and be faithful to God with our faith. Amen? And so uh, I believe, I don't know how long that, that our, our country is going to be blessed and how God's protective hand is, is really covering America. I don't know how long it's going to be before we see persecution. Maybe not to that scale, but maybe pretty close. It could be happening. As we look at Revelation and we look at the end times, you know, you just got to think about this. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back when? And the Bible says when you start seeing some of these things, you know, the end times are getting close. And so I just pray it will be raptured up before then. Amen? I'm praying that the church will just, I believe in the rapture. We'll talk about that later on. But I believe we're going to be raptured up before the great tribulation period. And that doesn't mean before persecution, but the severe persecution of the tribulation. All right? So what I want us to see today in your outline, I'll give you an outline. Smyrna is the crown church. The crown church. Now I want to look at verse number 9. Let's look at Jesus' approval. First, we're going to look at Jesus' approval. Now, one thing I want to remind you about, when we look at these seven churches, there were two churches that, that Jesus did not have any condemnation against, any accusation. Smyrna was one of them. The other one is what? Philadelphia. Exactly right. Of the, of the seven, those two, he had approval of, but he didn't have an accusation against. And so we're going to look at these today, all right? Uh, uh, the approval. Look first of all at the approval. Verse number 9. I know your works. Jesus speaking. John writing. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich and I know the blasphemy of those who say that they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue or a congregation, if you will, of Satan. Now, when he writes this approval, he said, I, I know you, I know you, I know you're a persecuted church, and I fully understand what you're going through. Twice in that verse, Jesus says, I know your tribulation. I know your poverty. 
And by the way, one of the reasons that you, one of the reasons you need a relationship with Jesus Christ is this is how you get to know God. We know God through His Son, a relationship with Jesus Christ, who came out of the riches of heaven, who came into poverty, if you will, here on earth, never drove a car, never had a home, all of these things. He just traveled around as a, like a nomad. And so Jesus says, I know your poverty. I know your tribulation. You're talking about being persecuted. They pulled His beard out. They spit on Him. They mocked Him. They crucified Him. And so when Jesus tells the church at Smyrna, I know what you're going through. I know your persecution. I know your poverty. And see, Jesus relates to you the same way. Some of you are going through trial and tribulation right now. Some of you experience some things in your life, maybe disease and maybe some kind of disaster and even death in the family. I'm telling you, God knows you. You have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I did a funeral yesterday right here in this church. And I was able to stand before the family and for the congregation and give them hope because there's hope in Christ. There's hope in Jesus Christ. We, have, we win. We don't die. We live forever. They may put our body in the grave, but I'm alive. I'll be always alive. I'm alive forevermore because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He knows me. I know Him. I know God through Christ. And so he knows my heart. He knows what I'm going through. He knows my trials. He knows my tribulations. And he does yours as well. That's why it's so imperative that we know him. In verse number 8, look what he said. These things, the first and the last, who was dead and came alive. So he's alive and I'm alive in Christ. And so that is an awesome thing. It really is to understand that. And so there's no, there's no accusation, only approval. To this congregation. And so Jesus knows the devil's scheme. He said, by the way, some of you are pretenders. Some of you pretend to be Jews, but you're really not. You're in Satan's camp. And I believe he was talking primarily to the Pharisees and scribes. They were Jews, but they weren't really Christian Jews. He said, I know some of these Jews. I know, and you know who they are. He's he's, uh, he's approving their, their work there that you found them out. There in verse number 9, that they pretend to be Jews, but they were not. They were of the synagogue or the congregation of Satan. And then secondly, he gives his admonition to them. Number two, he gives his approval. We see Jesus' approval. Then we see his admonition, his encouragement, if you will. Verse 10 and 11. Watch this. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Wow. Jesus says don't fear those things. Don't be afraid. Of the things you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. And that you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. That's why they're called the crown church. Jesus said, I'll give you the crown of life. And in verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says to the churches... He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, in verses 9, as we look at his approval, in verse 10 and 11, we see his encouragement. The first thing he says to the church of Smyrna is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I know what you're going through. I know your trials and I know your tribulations. And see, he says, you're about to suffer some things. Now, the Bible says this, all who love Jesus will suffer persecution. Did you get that? 
Did you get that word all? He didn't say if you live in India or Indonesia or if you're over there in, in Syria, you'll suffer, suffer persecution. He says all who love Jesus will suffer persecution. Why is that? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God allow that? Well, there's sin in the world. Amen? You remember that? There's sin in the world. There's all types of things. Not only am I getting older, this earth is getting older. Do you know that planet earth is under a curse as well? Because of the sin curse, it sins in the world. And God's a just God. He's allowing sin to run its course. And the closer the time of end times come, the greater it's going to be the greater you're going to see sin unfold and the devil unfold himself. And so when Jesus gets ready, when that time comes, he's going to say, as we sang and talked about, son, go get your children. And we're going to be raptured out of here. The church is. But until then, we're going to suffer persecution. They're going to call you a Jesus freak. People at school are going to call you a holy roller. They're going to call you a Bible thumper at work. They're going to make fun of you. Just watch some of the, Don't watch them. Are these comedians, late-night comedians, just make fun of Jesus? There's movies coming out now that's blaspheming Jesus. And you say, I thought I'd never live to see that. It's going to get worse. Because sin is running its course. The devil's under judgment. So is the world. And God's allowing everything to play out. That's why you need to get saved. That's why you need to be saved and be in Jesus' camp because one day he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And I'm promising you that day's coming. And so where do you stand? Are you evaluating yourself today as we talked about? Are you examining your own heart as, as a member of the church? And so that's what Jesus is doing here. He said, don't be afraid. Your tribulation, it won't be long, by the way, because I'm telling you it's it's winding down. I believe that. And in the 10 days, is significant of a brief time. Uh, that same phrase, 10 days, is used in Genesis 24, 55 and Acts 25, 6. When he's talking about a brief period of time, he uses that 10 days. In 10 days. In other words, briefly, soon. And so their reward, though, he gives them a reward. What is it? The crown of life. The crown of life. Listen to what he says in James Listen to this passage of Scripture. I'll read it to you. James chapter 1, verse 12. Look what he says. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Remember he said you're going to be tested? Did you know that God tests us or allows us to go through tests at times? Our faith is tested? He says, listen. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. He promised that to this church. This church at Smyrna was a crowned church. He promised them the crown of life because they were faithful unto death, even under persecution. And he says, you will receive the crown of life. Now, here's the truth in your outline. Watch this. Because they had trusted Jesus when their faith was tested, they were overcomers. They had the victor's crown in the race of faith. They were overcomers. I'm going to talk about this as I conclude this message today. What that means, all seven churches, he said, he, ha- he has the ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And then he goes into every church, he mentions overcoming. Because he's the overcomer. And I'm an overcomer. And you're an overcomer because Christ is an overcomer. Now, don't miss what he says in verse number 11. Watch this. He says, he who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
He who overcomes, and by the way, the only way you're going to overcome is through Christ. He's overcome the grave, and he's overcome the death. That's when we die, we can have a celebration service that say, Hey, my mom, my dad, or whoever was a Christian, they're alive today. They've overcome death. They've overcome the grave. Why? Because Jesus did. I am in Christ. He is in me. He's overcome it. And as a Christian in Christ, I overcome. That's what he says there. He shall overcome, and he shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, he told you that they will kill you. Look what he says in verse number 11. They will put you in prison. They'll throw you in prison. Some of you are going to be tested. You're going to have to be killed, all of those things. But listen to this. Jesus said this in Matthew. Don't worry about those who can kill the body. Worry about those who can kill the soul or, that, or Christ, in other words. In other words, you, you may die here today or you may die out there having a heart attack or having an accident whatever. He said, don't worry about those that can kill the body. You need to be worried about your soul that lives forever, right? And I know we put a lot of emphasis on our physical bodies, and we should. We should keep them in shape. This is our temple. But listen to this. One day, this temple is going to die. It's wearing out, amen? I mean, just look at some of us. Look at my hair. I used to have black hair. It used to be, be a hunk. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I would say that. <laughs> I'm kidding, all right, but I, I look better than I do now. And I'm telling you, even our very nature shows us that we're wearing out, right? So my body's wearing out. Yours is too. But I'm stronger than ever inside. My spirit, which lives forever, that's why we put the body back in the grave. My spirit lives forever. So I'm not worried about those that can kill me, my body. My concern is Christ and my relationship with him and my soul, which lives forever. And so how is your, how is your spiritual life doing? Amen? It don't matter really how you look on the outside, how you look on the inside, which lives forever, which counts forever. And so he gives us that advice. Now... The last part of verse number 11. Let me just walk you through this just for a moment. This is very important. What does he mean by the second death? You ever thought about that? You ever think about the second death? What do you mean a second death? I thought there was only one. I'm only dying one time. Mm-mm. 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 If you're not a Christian, look. What, listen to me now. If you're not a Christian... You're going to die twice, but you're really not going to die. You're going to wish you were dead twice, but you're not. I want you to show, I want you to show you. Where do you get that, Revelation? We'll get there, but I want to take, take you there right now. Look in chapter 20, Revelation. And I want you to hear this, because this is probably one of the most important things I'm going to say today. I want you to watch this scripture, Revelation chapter 20. Now, he's telling the church at Smyrna. He says, listen, you're a great church. I don't find any accusation. I'm not pointing out anything against you. I'm approving you. But I'm going to tell you something. This church is not going to have to go, or these people are not going to have to go through the second death as Christians. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, look in Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Revelation verse 20, chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection... Over which 
over which such the second death has no power. The second death has no power over the Christian. But they shall be priests in God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Talking about the millennial period. Now look over in verse 15. Revelation chapter 20 verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now look verse 14 above that. Death in Hades, that would be the grave, if you will, the, the abyss. Death in Hades were cast into the lake of fire. That would be hell. This is the second death. And he mentioned that over in verse number 11. He says, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And here in verse, in, in verse 15, 14, death in Hades were cast into hell. This is the second death. And, and uh, look in uh, chapter 21 of Revelation. In verse number 8. Watch it. Don't miss it. Revelation 21 verse 8. But the cowardly. That's those who are afraid to get saved or just afraid. I just can't do it. I can't. Listen to this. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers. Sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. In other words, hell is the second death. Now, those who go to hell will not be annihilated. They won't go to hell and say, well, I'm dead. I don't feel anything. Mm -mm, you're going to be feeling all your forever and ever and ever and ever. You won't never die. And see, I'm just trying to help you here to understand the Bible says it's true. There is a place called hell. There is a place called heaven. Heaven's for those who believe in Jesus Christ, put their faith and trust in Him. And hell is for those who don't. It's the second death. But if you're a Christian, you will not go through that second death. Now listen to this. Here it is in your outline. You need to fill it in and think about it. Those who are born twice will die only once. But those who are only born once will die twice. Now get a hold of that. If you've been born twice, you're only going to die once. But if you've only been born once, you're going to die twice. In other words, if you've been born again, I've been born in, in, in by my mom in 19 so-and-so. <laughs> 1952, I was born once. In 1979, I was born twice. I'm only going to die once. And then it's going to be my body. Did I tell you all I have everlasting life right now? You don't wait till you die to get everlasting life. You get it when you meet Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's when you get it. All they're going to do is put my body in the ground. So I'm only going to die once. But listen to this. If you've only been born physically and you've never been born again of Jesus, you're going to die when they put your body in the ground into resurrection. You're going to stand before the great, great white throne of God and you're going to be sentenced to your second death forever and ever and ever in a lake of fire and brimstone. And I'm telling you, you can theorize that away. You can listen to Yahoo theologian and this guy, but I'm telling you, I'm reading the Bible. I'm trusting the Word of God. 
And I hope you are too. Amen? All right, let's go to the second church, Pergamos, the compromising church. Very quickly, the compromising church. In verse number 12, And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things says, He who has the sharp two-edged sword. That would be the word of God. Pergamos, uh, Bergama is the, is the current day Bergama. It was the greatest city in Asia. By the way, Pergamos was the capital of Asia Minor. This was a capital city. So like Ephesus and like Smyrna, it was a great metropolitan-type city. It had temples there also that had worship of Caesar, just like Smyrna did. It was known as an imperial, imperial cult. In other words, it was, verse 13 says it's where Satan's throne was. There was a lot of evil going on in Pergamos. A lot of evil activity, just like it was in Smyrna and also Ephesus as well. And so look in verse number uh, 13. I know your works and where you dwell. By the way, you know God reads your email, your text. I, I know where you live, he says. He knows where we live. He knows all about you and me. He said, I know where you are. Look what he said. I like it. I know your works. I know where you dwell. I know where Satan's throne is. I know where the evil activity's going on at. I know the party you're attending. <laughs> I know where you're hanging out. See, I know all that stuff, God says. Talk about writing this compromising church. Look what he says. And you hold fast to my name, and you do, did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where, where Satan dwells. Again, he mentions that, where Satan dwells. This was an evil city, a lot of evil activity going on. And the church was right there in the middle of it. It would kind of like be somewhat, I don't know if you agree with this, but somewhat like having a church right there in the smack dab of San Francisco. <laughs> kind of. All right? Beautiful city. Been there. But there's a lot of a activity going on right there, right? And so the church had a challenge and. Pergamos, he said, hey, I, this is approval. I'm giving you this approval. Verse 13, you got, you're doing a great job. My man, your faith has been tested. Look what he says. Your works, where I know where you live. You're holding fast to my name. You're not denying my name. By the way, one of the persecutions that's happening is when people say, hey, the name of Jesus, even in our schools, in our, in our workplaces, the name of Jesus in a lot of places is not being allowed to be said. He said, you didn't deny my name. You didn't deny my name. And so he, he's given them an approval. And, uh, and Antipas, historians say that he was slowly roasted in a bronze kettle because of his faith. He was one that didn't compromise. And so he was martyred. We don't know a lot about him, but Jesus gives them approval that you hold, you hold to my faith. And like Ephesus... He had a few things negative to say about the church of Pergamos, Jesus' accusations. Now, what was the accusations against? We saw the approval in verse 13. What was the accusation against this church, Pergamos, that Jesus had like he did in Ephesus? Notice Smyrna didn't have any accusations, only approval. But this one did. But I have a few things against you because you have there in, in your church those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak, to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. 
Now, I don't have time to go into all of this, but here's what you need to do. You need to read Numbers 22, Numbers 23, Numbers 25, and Numbers 31. It gives great detail about the, the foreign prophet Balaam. Now, he was a prophet who, Balak, who was the uh, king of Moab, he had summons for Balaam to come and put a curse on Israel. He, he, the Israel was the enemy. And Israel was growing by number. He said, man, they're growing like crazy. And we got to stop them. And so Moab was there in the, across from Jericho. And when we go to Israel, you'll see that. You'll see Jericho with the sea, of, the, uh, the Dead Sea there. They believe that's where Solomon and Gomorrah was. The Dead Sea's right on top of it, where Solomon and Gomorrah was. And so you'll see these things. And so listen to this. He said, okay, Moab, uh, the king of Moab was Balak. He summoned for this prophet named Balaam to come and put a curse on Israel. So Balaam, Balaam summons God and said, listen, don't, you can't curse my people. That's my people. So he sends a letter back. Three times he did this. Three times he said, no, I'm not going to curse Israel. And finally he got permission by God to go to, to, to Balak, to Moab. But what happened was in between, they were, he was paying him money to come. And what happened was in chapter 25, uh, verse 9, and also in chapter 31, verse 16, they, uh, they began to intermarry and they began to have the Moab women. And in their temple worship, they began prostitution and other kind of sexual immorality there in the temple area. And so that's what he's speaking of here. He said, they began to compromise. And what happened was, they began to interact with the culture. Now, we're to penetrate the culture. We're to interact with our friends in the culture that aren't Christians, but we cannot compromise to their values. We're to help try to bring them to the values that we have as Christians. Amen? And what we're seeing today is a lot of compromising going on like the church of Pergamos. And when you read about Balaam, and uh, uh, by the way, that was one that the donkey, Jesus stood in front of him, you know, appeared as the angel of the Lord and talked through the donkey. God spoke through the donkey to him. And so when Balaam, he, he was trying to do the right thing, but he got caught up in it. And then he began to promote sexual immorality in their worship. They were eating meat offered unto idols in chapter 25 of Numbers. So he began to compromise. And they begin to compromise. And that's what Jesus said. You hold to the doctrine of Balaam, and who taught Balak, put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. You just need to read that, those chapters I just told you. And then verse 15, And also, thus also you hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Notice that. The Nicolaitans, we talked about that in Ephesus. He had the same accusation against Ephesus last week because they were holding to the... And that, that Nicolaitan is simply those who want to rule the people. And so he's saying, you're, you're letting people come into your church who are ruling you and who are compromising you to the things of God. And so we got to be careful. you got to be careful when you're looking at the church or maybe when you're seeking the church, what are they teaching here? What's their doctrine? What do they believe about the Bible? Well, I just really love the music. Man, it's awesome. That's great. But what are they teaching? What are they, what are they teaching from the Bible? What's the Word of God saying? And so even today we see a lot of compromising. And sometimes you can't tell the church from the culture. 
And when we got to penetrate the culture with the Word of God, and I'm telling you, we're going, to, we're going to receive persecution from that when you start doing that. When you start holding a standard, when you start living up to a standard, people out there are not going to like it. They are not going to like it. Like GQ magazine I talked about last week, or Wednesday night. Should have been here Wednesday night. You would have heard that, that GQ magazine. But I talked about that. You, you, you know what they're trying to do. They said the Bible is one of the 20th books you should never read. That's what they said. They came out with a poll. Bible's number 12, one of the books you should not read. Why is that? Why wouldn't you want to read the Bible? Because it cramps my lifestyle. The Bible says, oh, no, you shouldn't be doing it, and I like to do it. So I'm going to find me another church <laughs> that likes to do what I like to do. Pergamos. They begin to compromise the Word of God. And thus, Jesus had an accusation against them. Are oh, you doing some good stuff in here? You really are. I commend you on that. But I'm telling you, you're compromising your values, and you're allowing this sexual immorality to come in and all of this other stuff. And Jesus holds their hand to it, and he does with us as well. And so, uh, again, they were just compromising and so how does all of this apply to us? How does this, you know, we have false teachers. We, we've heard that last week. We talked about false prophets and all of that in our land today. We've heard about that. You know, Antipas was one that didn't compromise, and they killed him. They martyred him in the arena once again. And so when we compromise our beliefs and our values and our standard, like things like, well, everybody's doing it. You know, uh, uh, who am I hurting? What am I hurting? Uh, it's the 21st century. You ever heard that? The Bible needs to catch up with the 21st century. Somebody said that the other day. Oh, it's not so bad. Y'all just a bunch of phobics. Things like that. And so you got to be aware of that. By the way, it's why in our new members class, Brother Randy and I teach our new members class. Everybody that joins our church, we want them to come to the new members class. Why is that? Why would we do that? I know some of you wondered that. Well, why do we have a new members class? I'm going to tell you why. When people join the church, they need to know what they're joining. And Brother Randy talks about our ministries, all of that. You know what I teach them? Here's what we believe. I want you to know when you join this church, here's our doctrine. Here's what we're going to be teaching here at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. And that would be no surprises. You know, like we, we believe in once saved, always saved here. We believe in eternal security. Well, I don't have a problem with that. Well, if you can come and don't cause any dissension, join in. We've got a problem with it. This may not be the church for you. Amen? So that's why I'm telling I'm saying, hey, this is what we believe. And I, I did that because of the experience I had when I first came here. <laughs> and, the reason I found out you need to let people know what you believe. So anyway, I learned from my experiences. Now, let me close with this. I want you to look there in verse number 12 and verse 16. Verse number 12. Back up to verse number 12. I believe it's number 12. It talks about the, the word of God going out of the mouth. Uh, he overcomes the pillar. Wait a minute, I'm on the wrong one. There it is. Uh, the New Testament church comes out of heaven from my God, and I will write on, my, on you a new name. I'm in the wrong verse. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord in Pergamos write these things. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. You know what that is? The Word of God. All right? Now look in verse 16. Verse 16. Repent. 
He's telling the church to repent, or just like he did the church of Ephesus. Or else I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them with my fist. Fight against them. What, what is he fighting them with? The word of God. Remember devil, when he came to Jesus with the Mount of Temptations three times, what did Jesus say? It is written. And by the way, that's the sword you need to be using. Not this one. You don't cuss them out. You don't knock them out. You just get the sword out. Right? Here's why I believe what I believe. Well, you're a Bible thumper. You're a Bible thumper. It's all right. It's what I believe, what it says. I'm telling you. And by the way, God will use that. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. God's word is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Cutting through the marrow. That's what it says. It cuts. The word of God cuts us. That's why we get under conviction. The word of God cuts us where we live. Here's a great truth in your outline. Look at this. It is more important that the church fear Christ's sword than the Roman sword or the culture's sword. The Word of God. We reverence the Word of God. We fear the Word of God in that we reverence the Word of God. Now, let me close verse 17. Look what he says to the church of uh, Pergamos. He closes with this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes. By the way, that's the Christian. That's those who put our faith and trust in Jesus. To him who overcomes... I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. That is the blessings of God, if you will. He, he feeds us. He provides for us. Look what he says. And on the stone, a new name written down in glory, which no one knows except those who receive it. In other words, verse 17 says, He who overcomes, God's going to bless you. Now, what does he mean by that statement, he who overcomes? Quickly turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Just turn back a few pages. Go to your left. 1 John chapter 5. Look what it says. It's on the screen. 1 John chapter 5. Look in verse 4. 1 John 5, 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Did you hear that? Whatever is born again... Second birth, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Not our great military defense, not our intellectual technologies. That's not what's going to overcome the world. What's going to overcome the world? Those who have their faith in Jesus Christ, the victory has overcome the world, which is our faith. And look in verse 5. He, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, a lot of you, a lot of you are saying this. Pastor, I love revelations. I just can't wait till you get in revelations. I can't wait to the end time. Hear all about it. Well, what I just told you is probably going to be the most profound thing you heard in this whole study of Revelation. I know we're eager about the unknown, but I'm telling you about the known right now. If you're not a Christian, you don't have to wait to the end times. It could happen right now as you leave this service. 
If you die today without Christ, the end time has come for you. And you're going to experience the second death I just read to you in Revelation chapter 20. Now, the good news is 1 John 5 and 4, he who overcomes has victory in Jesus because our faith in Christ has overcome the world. And therefore, when you die, your, my, your pastor or whoever the pastor is can have confidence in knowing as your fruit, as your relationship, your profession of faith, that you have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. If you don't have that eternal life, you need to get that right now. And the way you get it is accepting Christ as your personal Savior. If you've never had a time in your life that you said, Jesus, come into my life and change my heart, change my life, change me, Lord, save me. I want, I want eternal life in you, and I want to live for you. I want to obey you. I want to walk with you. You say, well, I just can't do that. You sure can't. But he can See, that's the key. When he gets in you, he lives his life through you. You get off the throne, and now Jesus is on the throne. And you won't even know that until you accept him by faith. I can tell you all day long that's going to happen, but until you receive him by faith, you'll never know it. That's why you live by faith. So you're trying to figure God out. You're trying to figure this salvation thing out. You can't. Brother Eric and I witnessed to a guy who, had, who he was a rocket scientist at the arsenal. You're talking about Italy. I couldn't even understand what he said half the time. And we tried to witness to him, and he kept saying, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. I mean, he knew he was lost. He said, I can't figure it out. I've been trying, been trying. Brother Eric talked to him. I talked to him. And one day I just sent him a card and put a little plan of salvation in that card. And he called and said, listen, I understand. He got radically saved. It was just the simplicity of the gospel that we make so complicated and so hard to figure out that God said, I, whoever believes in my son, I'll give you eternal life. By faith and live it for me, I'll take care of you. Father, help us right now to come to Jesus. Speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who are lost. They don't know if they have a relationship with you or maybe they do know and they've never received Christ, I pray today would be their day of salvation. Thank you, Lord, that in Christ we've overcome. We've overcome the world. We've overcome this, this world that we're going to be leaving one day. And so, Father, we have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you for that blessing and the promise that we have that you've given us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Draw us to you now, Lord, as we sing. I pray for those who need to come. Some want to join this church. I pray they would come today. Some want to pray at the altar. I pray they would come as well. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us? God speaks to your heart. I encourage you to come. Don't delay. First step. So right now, why don't you come? As we sing, you come. Giving you my heart and all that is. Come on, God, speak into your heart. You come on.